paint in the, uh, the beer can single CD. And we heard from Polvo. This is their new record. And it's called Celebrate the New Dark Age on CD. I think this is a double 7-inch also. I'm sure there's probably a vinyl one way or the other on Merge. Polvo. And started with the band The Sea and Cake. That's the name of the group. And Flat Lay the Water from their uh, self-titled uh, CD, The Sea and Cake. And that's it from WFMU, Uppsala College East Orange. This is Jim C. Um, stay tuned for Chris and his guest and uh, Gaylord doing the Soul Show at 7. And I'll be ne back next week at the same time. Thanks. Bye. I'm going to say this as straight as I possibly can. I am begging you, if you're a parent and you've got kids there, that this subject is just too upsetting for your young children. Please get them out of the room or change the station. We urge you to exercise parental discretion. Hey, Uncle, how much you give me for this radio, huh? Now, this hot little old radio, man, is worth plenty of rubles, man. It's got, it's got lots of juice. you got the... Uh, Shortwave, police call, boats. Late at night, man, you get you get out of space. Come on, come on, Uncle, just make me an offer. Now, this is a hundred dollar radio. Man. It's got a clear tone, boy. That's that's clear as a mother's old bell. Come on, baby. Show the man your power, baby. Blast them! Give him some of that tone. Oh man, you radio, you mother. Hey, Jeff. What about TV? You like TV? What? That uh, new thing, Jim. The television. Oh, pictures. Yeah. No, no pictures. Why not? Everything these days is pictures. Pictures and a lot of noise. Nobody even knows how to talk. Ah, uh, <laughs> just grunt at each other. Babies that were sacrificed for Satan. I will probably have nightmares tonight about it. From the nightmares to the running around the room when they disclose, to the latching on, to the crying and saying, Mommy, 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 don't go out, because if you go out, they're going to kill you. Threat, intimidation, fear. Now, if you're going to stay cool, you've got to wail. You've got to put something down. You've got to make some jive. Don't you know what I'm talking about? Well, that's all I'm saying. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. Rejection of parental values. Unusual interest in books on Satanism, black magic, or witchcraft. Obsession with rock music groups using satanic symbols or references. Rejection of friends. Preference for being alone. Meditation. Chanting. Use of new vocabulary. Is it the force of evil? Does it disrupt? Is it a force for everything negative? There's two kind of laws, honey. One for the rich. And one for the poor. He sees all and knows all. He's wise. He's kind. He is fair. He loves truth and goodness. Listen, you screwheads. Here's a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth. Here is someone who stood up. Hey, buddy. This is the state of New Jersey, and I don't care who you are. Hello, this is uh, Chris T. on WFMU, Uppsala College East Orange, and the program you're listening to is Aerial View. On uh, this last Friday in June, 
Ooh, what a disgustingly humid, sticky day. But hey, stay by the radio and keep the air conditioning on. My special guest uh, tonight, Naomi Sarna. And how do you like to, uh, you know, what, what letters do you like to follow your name? I mean, I never, I never know what, you know, what exactly to say. So help me out here. Well, I'm a certified social worker, I'm a certified uh, psychoanalyst, and I'm a certified clinical hypnotist. And when I got my, um, uh, my certification in hypnosis, I turned to a number of my friends and I said, well, uh, do you suppose now I can be addressed as Madam Sarna? Okay, well, that's good enough for me. Okay. Uh, you know, we had preempted our, our prearranged <laughs> show. We were going to discuss pop psychology. And we, we've put that off to a further date because we want to we be a, a slight bit topical today and discuss this whole O.J. Simpson thing. I thought you might have an interesting take on this. Uh, everybody is talking about it, and for the first time, well, why not us, is what I said. Um, it's kind of, can we get to the heart of what happened here? How do you, how do you sum up exactly what happened with O.J. Simpson in terms of a, uh, a personality profile, if you had to do a, you know, an evaluation of the man? I'd say that he was trained to behave impulsively for many, many years. And like Mike Tyson. And that when his time to stop behaving impulsively occurred, that he was not helped to control his impulses. And uh, continued to live very much in the same way that made him very successful as an athlete. Um, but it w did not make him very successful as a civilized human being. So uh, are you saying he approached the rest of his life like he approached his life on the playing field? I think so. Is that Are we going a little too far in saying that, or, or do you feel no, that's valid? No, I mean, what, what is an athlete supposed to do? They're supposed, win. They're supposed to win. They're supposed to win, and winning is, is uh, uh, counter to the, the view that they hold. They are the winners. They have to be the winners. Otherwise, they lose their multi-million dollar contracts, they lose their publicity, and they sink into uh, depression and ignominy. So <laughs> uh, they must continue winning. There's another interesting thing that went on here, um, and, and that is that he apparently was a wife abuser. Now, I have to say apparently and allegedly a lot, because there's still a lot that we don't know. But it has been written and, and discussed that he, his wife had called uh, 911 right, nine or ten times yeah. prior to her life being taken. Uh, she had complained that he had beat her and was a woman under siege, basically. And without anything, I don't even think that she had a protective order against him or an order of restraint or whatever you might call it out in California. So there's another case of a woman here who is being harassed by an ex who's being stalked, who's being abused, who gets killed. Now, this happens a lot. Do you feel that because it was O.J. Simpson that this is something now that's going to come out in the open more, that people will be discussing a lot more, that there'll be laws changed, things will happen because of this? Chris, I hate to accuse you of this, but I think that's a very positive-minded attitude to have. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I, I'm not certain that that would really happen. Um, uh, I, I have the feeling that the country is really just slogging along and that very little will change as a result of this. 
I would like to think that it would, but I, I feel very, uh, uh, in your introduction, you yes. say there's a law for the rich and there's a law for the poor. Right, yes. Okay? And I think that O.J. Simpson is probably going to have the law for the rich, not the law for the poor. What do you think will happen to O.J. Simpson then when you, when you say this? Do you well, think there's been so much leaking uh, to the press of everything that's going on. Is there a ski mask? Is there not a ski mask? Is there a glove? Is there not a glove? Um, I suspect that there will be um, failure to um, produce a fair trial. It's going to be very difficult yeah, to get I mean, him a fair trial. Who, Extremely yeah. difficult. Who, who, who could uh, <laughs> uh, sit on, on the jury and say, Jury selection will no take years in this yeah, case. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a, a bad situation there. Uh, so you're saying that there may be some sort of plea arrangement, that mm -hmm. there might be some sort of bypass of the trial system? I mean, That's, that, that's one idea that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, another idea that was presented to me today that I thought was really quite interesting was that um, because of his position in society in California uh, and his easy access to cocaine, mm -hmm. that he could have been involved in a Colombian, as a, as a Colombian conduit mm -hmm. to provide uh, uh, social Hollywood with the cocaine. This is the first I'm hearing of this. I thought this was a very interesting <laughs> idea, I, if not as a provider, but certainly as a, a, a very active participant. Okay. There was something extremely uh, gruesome about Nicole's head being nearly severed that makes me wonder, even let's consider that he's a very big guy. Uh, as far as I know, she didn't have multiple stab wounds. To me, that's a, 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 a passionate murder, multiple okay. stab wounds. Right. One slice across the neck is not, to me, a passionate murder. To me, that's, that's the sort of thing that, you know, drug cartels do or mafioso or something like that. It's a hit. It's a hit. Thank okay. you. And so, it, to a certain extent, it makes me wonder, did he really do this? Maybe he was there as a participant, um, as a witness. Maybe they, they made him watch. Are you saying? I mean, well, well, I think there are a lot of possibilities here. This, th th I have to tell you, this is intriguing because it's the it? first time. I mean, I'm hearing that it, there's possibility that somebody else was responsible for this because you would think that if you were accused of murder. And it, it, no matter how upset you were, if it was your wife or, 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 or your husband or whatever, what I've yet to hear from O.J. Simpson is, I didn't do it. True. You've yet to hear him say, I didn't do it, somebody else did it. What you've seen is him running from the police. You've well, seen he him said, not guilty. His plea is not guilty. Okay. But, but prior to the whole chase uh, along the California highways and all that kind of jazz, and him holding the gun to his head, there was never a point where he he spoke about uh, not being responsible for this this act or or saying that he was innocent or whatever. I mean, do you feel that that's a kind of natural reaction of somebody who's accused of something to, to at least deny that they they've done it? People have done it and said, "I don't do it." Okay, that's uh, that's true. <laughs> well, grant uh, you that. Uh, I would imagine 
that an innocent person would protest their in- innocence. Till, I mean... Which he really hasn't. Okay. Um, I, I don't feel completely settled in assuming that he did it. There's an interesting angle that I heard, which is that he was working on a, uh, a sequel to a movie about Navy SEALs. Did you hear this? That the, the SEALs are the tactical arm of the Navy, sort of the, the Green Berets of the Navy. They're the ones who are the assassins and do mm-hmm. covert operations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was possible during the filming of this movie he had access to not only weapons, but to, to, uh-huh. to learning different how to techniques for how to kill well, people. Okay, that's an interesting idea. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, let me Enter <laughs> rumor painted full of tongues. Here we, uh, we had a phone call. Let me give out the number. It's 201-678-7743. You're listening to WFMU, Uppsala College East Orange. And this is Aerial View, my special guest, Naomi Sarna. Um, we're discussing the O.J. Simpson case and all the different ramifications that it holds, including women who were stalked and um, let's see who's on the phone here. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, you said, you said he didn't say that he had nothing to do with it? Uh, it, was my, it was my impression he didn't. Are you going to correct me? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Before, while he was being chased, um, or actually before they even discovered where he was, they, they knew that he was on the run somewhere. Um, we they, like to use the phrase on the lamb on this program. Yes, on okay. the lamb. Uh, his, his lawyer was reading uh, a letter on, on the air. I mean, I, I was watching television. Was this the suicide note slash letter? Yeah, it sounded like a suicide note. Okay. You know, when I first tuned in, I thought maybe he had killed himself, but it turned out he didn't. It was, just, it was a, one, a letter to someone, I don't know which person, but he said, I had nothing to do with the murder of my wife or the other person. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, I want to ask Naomi then. Uh, in so far as that letter goes, that was a pretty interesting angle on this whole thing. I mean, it, it's a. It seems that he was preparing to take his life. I mean, the letter, the holding the gun to his head. Do you think that that letter was a suicide note, as other people have said, and it had all the classic signs of a suicide note? It certainly could be. Mm-hmm. He's behaving in a completely psychotic fashion. That murder was a psychotic murder. Well, each man kills the thing that he loves, and her friend from the country club, in uh-huh. this case, yes. Uh, it, uh, the whole thing is so full of, of um, tr- true, uh, this is not a, a, a word that's really in the psychoanalytic vocabulary, but true insanity. This is a completely insane totally uncivilized, feral sort of behavior. And uh, for him to suffer guilt and remorse afterward, if he, in fact, did do it, Mm -hmm. um, or to even feel... uh, Now, Jimmy Carter said that he sinned in his mind. It's possible that all of the harassing that he did... let's Let's just pretend for a minute that he really is not the murderer, okay, and that uh, he only had murderous thoughts, and then his wife turns up dead, and then his wife turns up dead, and and he's accused. Well, he could feel in some psychotic way that he was responsible. Hmm. 
Okay, so it's a, you're, this is the Hitchcock angle you're working now. Right. The, the wrong man. Actually, <laughs> this is, this is the, the uh, children always feel responsible when their parents divorce. Yeah. If someone dies, they feel responsible because children have magical thoughts. Well, they think in my case, thoughts. I encourage my parents to get divorced, so uh-huh. it, was, uh, it was kind of true. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, how are you? Okay. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't even listened to you for about two months, and here you are in this very, very, very current topic. I'm glad to see that you're sort of moving with the mainstream. Yeah, right. So, uh, at any Believe rate, me, for this week only. <laughs> Next week we talk about the <laughs> I, 1890s. I think one of the last times I was able to listen to you was when you did the suicide thing after Kurt Cobain, and you were uh, unexpectedly serious. Um, I used to work in the TV business, and I know I have friends who knew him over the years, uh, him being, what's his face, and he evidently had, like a lot of athletes, but, but more than most, the sort of, um, he, he, he traveled with an entourage, and he especially liked his presence to be noticed in serious ways. In other words, he would send people ahead to say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And that's sort of like not the way other athletes do that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, what, what the, the, he had a big ego. What are you had, saying? We had a very big ego, but also very demonstrative and very melodramatic. And what the, uh, the I'm sorry, your guest was saying about that um, aggressive, that tuned-up aggressiveness, which worked very well in terms of he was much more natural as a TV star even than as an athlete. You know, not much talent, but a lot of ego. Mm-hmm. Um, the the note, which I found fascinating, it, it gave it gave all the signs of somebody being writing it under heavy sedation. But the fact that there was never any sadness for the death of this woman, he did say that he didn't do it, but he's never said he's sorry she's dead. In any any of the discussions in the note or in any of this verbal stuff, he's never said he's sorry she's dead. He's never said it's awful, it's a tragedy, it's whatever. It's well, I think that well, we can go back to what Naomi said. I mean, maybe he wished her dead. Maybe he wished her dead for so long that now that she is dead, it's sort of a relief to him, whether he did it or not. I mean, the, the, the grand the grandiloquence—is that the right word—of that note. I've 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 seen a few suicide notes in my time for people I know, and it's funny because they're uncharacteristically, even if the person's a blowhard, they do go on and on and on, and that might be the effect of, of having met, uh, heavy medication. But this one was was like it was like an Emmy acceptance speech. All the guys he played golf with, that, that kind of stuff. The other thing that I thought was sort of fascinating is, is that the ethnic angle has disappeared. It just doesn't even exist at this point in terms of the coverage, which I find in a way that's sort of oddly encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 sort of like this is so bizarre that it that it sort of transcends. Um, well, I'm sure in certain circles you'll you'll find the race angle hotly debated. But he was rich, and, and you know, uh, his color was green as far as people are concerned. Yeah. You know, and, and that, and his, his wealth cuts, along, uh, cuts across many, many lines and barriers. It, and all, it, the other thing that, that struck me about it is that I, I, I wondered, this is a fruitless speculation, but uh, that, this whole thing could ne- would never happen. The shape of this would be so different in the East. If you take somebody, if Donald Trump killed Marla Maples, for example. Okay. And, and that's, we're about in that league. Um, He's got enough money to do it properly. Yeah, have, but it, have but, it taken care of by somebody but else. I, maybe this is New York boosterism, but he'd be in the slammer. There'd be none of this this, uh, this sort of awestruck. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. Well, Donald Trump. Wait a minute. Let, let me just say this, and then we'll have to say goodbye. Donald Trump has never existed on the same plane as O.J. Simpson in terms of his worship. As a hero, as an American right. figure, as a sports figure, no, you're right. You you're know, right. people do not like Donald Trump that I know. Yeah, you know, they would yeah. be very. You would be very hard pressed to find. Look what they did to Leona Helmsley. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe it was a bad example. You Phil might want to. Phil Sims. Phil Sims. Okay, Phil Sims. 
and and God 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 forgive me for saying such an awful thing, but Phil Simms in my mind is a guy who's very admirable. You know, and if Phil Simms had a dark side and did this, whatever. It's just I guess I'm just talking about the East Coast West Coast polarity, uh-huh. which I which I think exists and is getting more pronounced. Okay. You know, that's all. Thanks. Bye. I I'd like to comment on on one thing here. Uh uh, both you and the caller used the word ego, that he had a big ego. And actually... That's a misuse. It is answer. really a misuse. It's it's a very interesting misuse because if he had a substantial ego... This wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't <laughs> have happened. And it's an indication of a very weak ego that um, he behaved the way that he did, that he had to have all of the aggrandizement uh, that he did. Is this a, I, I don't want to sound like I'm simplifying this too much, but the first thought that came to me was here was one thing that this guy who was used to getting everything he wanted couldn't have. That's right. He couldn't The control. one thing that he could not make happen was that his wife would come back to him or that she would accept him in some way that he wanted to be that's, accepted. That's right. And, and to a person who has a very weak control over their impulses to be confronted this way is enraging and makes them really fly off the handle mm-hmm. hmm. let me give out the number here again it's 201-678-7743 and then i wanted to ask you what what should women well this is really difficult to talk about because it it happens time and time again and it never gets this kind of coverage with women who are killed by their exes ex-spouse ex boyfriend, whatever. You know, they come to work and they kill her and they kill five of her coworkers or they hunt her down and wait till she steps in the elevator and kill her. You right. know, I mean what what should these women be doing? I mean what what should they think about doing? What should they how should they be thinking about how they need to change their lives or what they need to do in order to take themselves out of a dangerous situation like that? Well, I think that before they get into the dangerous situation, I think that women have to very seriously consider the nature of the person that they are attracted to. My suspicion is that people are um, attracted to the same type over and over and over, and that when they are finally uh, battered uh, to pieces or killed uh, by a stalker the way that that woman was in uh, uh, in uh, New York. Right, uh, just recently, she, yeah. 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 The guy had airplane tickets and the whole deal. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. That, uh, I, uh, sometimes I suspect that there is... Um, a pattern of of finding someone who is, again, <coughs> with a very small, weak ego, not a real keen sense of themselves, uh, very dependent on a woman, um, on on a woman's submission, a woman who is really able, um, and then submits to the to this weak man. Um, I think that women have to keep an eye out for that sort of thing. I, I think that it's unfortunate when any woman feels that she has to submit uh, her personality, herself, in the service of bolstering up her partner's ego. Now, this is a really traditional role that women take. And if a woman's previous experiences, say, with, uh, uh, with her father or with uh, brothers or other uh, partners, uh, has been one where she has had to be submissive, had to um, defer to him, 
it, she she really needs to to study why she's doing this and what she can do to bolster her own sense of self and live a more whole life and attract a more whole man or get a gun i mean would that be another alternative I think at, that's at that point that's you think you think that's chris uh did you see 60 Minutes Sunday? They, they repeated this thing on 60 Minutes about women who are arming themselves. And the figures are, you know, taking off all across the country. I think it's really horrible. A pistol is used only to shoot human beings. The only reason that people shoot human beings is to kill them. Mm -hmm. I think it's awful, truly awful. It's getting back more and more to what I call feral humanity. I don't think it's a step in the right direction at all. I think that women need to learn how to care for themselves properly, learn how to uh, avoid situations like this, and if they find themselves in a battering situation, a, a demeaning situation, to leave as quickly as possible. Because what happens is that oftentimes these relationships are not just a few days, a few weeks. I don't think it was the case with They've gone OJ and his wife. No, it certainly wasn't. Was it 13 years? 13 years, something, something like that. Like yeah. that? yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So it's not new. And uh, uh, when they end in disaster like this, or even the woman being beaten so badly that you know she has broken bones no teeth in her mouth but anything. a re very real question is what recourse did nicole simpson had i mean you've had the police come to your house several I times i don't think that that there's any recourse in terms of the police to get an order of restraint uh, is is useless uh, the guy shows up at your door knocks the door down how, how can you call the police in time before he smashed your head in the the recourse is through psychological uh, um, um, agencies um, that hopefully early on in a relationship, a woman can say, look, I, I can't tolerate this kind of behavior. If you want to be with me, we have to go in for counseling. Okay. I, I see therapy as really the only way. The police are useless in, 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 in cases like this because they get there after she's dead. Let me grab this call here. The number is 201-678-7743. Hello, welcome to the air. Uh, yeah, Chris, one of the <clears throat> interesting things about the uh, the episode when he was driving away uh, in the, with the white car, my wife's a psychotherapist, and the bit about him calling her his mother, uh, she had predicted that they wouldn't permit that call to go through, according to my wife, who's dealt with this kind of thing. When someone's threatening suicide, they have a bunch of uh, kind of like loose ends to tie up. And I think, or she thought, that speaking with his mother was probably the last loose end that needed to be tied up. And you, from what I gather, people who try to prevent suicides kind of prevent that last little details from being dealt with. And they, uh, someone was uh, talking about the police and said they don't even have the number of OJ's mother in a hospital, this and that. Intentionally, it seems to me, they did not... Uh, let him talk to his mother for fear that that was probably the last, uh, the last thing conversation he, he would want to have. Yeah, uh -huh. that, and also she says that when people are talking about suicide, they're talking, they're giving away their final, their most treasured things, this and that, and kind of like it's kind of like somebody going away on a big voyage and packing up, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think OJ almost packed it up, but uh, I'll tell you, it was uh, quite thrilling, made for good entertainment that night. I'll tell you that, boy. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay. See, that caller just pointed out something else I wanted to talk about on this program. 
uh, we're watching a man's disintegration, calling it entertainment. I agree. Is this oh, is there something is a... really scary about that? Because I that night I turned on uh, Channel Two to see Kids in the Hall. You know, a program that I, I watch whenever I'm home on a Friday night. And instead of Kids in the Hall, there's this white Bronco speeding mm-hmm. down the highway, mm-hmm. and the helicopters and the whole thing. And of course, I was enthralled. I was like, "What is going on?" I didn't know what what it was. I didn't know it was O.J. Simpson when I first turned on the TV. And then I'm I'm finding myself watching and saying, "Why am I so fascinated by this man's breakup?" You know, this is. This is really terrible. Why do people rubberneck when they see a wreck on the road? It's both fascinating and repelling to see something like this occur. Human beings are, 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 are very fascinated with that which they fear the most, death and psychosis. Right. So um, um, yeah. People feel people who have difficulty feeling also find peak moments like this um, to be a time when they feel very alive. I read a story one time about a woman who heard a sound and a body was falling. Um, a, a, a person had uh, was committing suicide. They had jumped and she could hear them falling through the air. And she w- went to her window and looked out and and saw him fall to the ground. And she said at no point in her life did she ever feel as alive as she felt at that moment. So when we see death or birth or psychosis, we have a tendency to be fascinated because it enlivens us, but also to be repelled because we're so afraid that it could come and and touch us. Let me grab this call here. Uh, Hello, welcome to the air. Yes. Oh, someone's playing music for us. I don't want to hear that. 201-678-7743. 201-678-7743. You, you've just touched upon something else that I want to talk about, which is uh, the whole fears as desires type of thing, mm-hmm. uh, what people fear they actually desire. And and during this program on women who are arming themselves all across the country, there was time and time again these interviews where these women were talking about how afraid they were. They were afraid they were going to be raped. They were afraid they were going to be killed. They were afraid they would be attacked. And I think the the report tried to point out that their fear was out of proportion with the reality. The figures showing uh, in t- in terms of violent crime, not a rise in crime, but actually a drop in crime in right. most cases. Right. So what 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 is with this fear? What is this fear and this need to to arm and this need to protect themselves against something that the likelihood of happening is kind of slim? Well, I think part of it has to do with the uh, the way that we have been sort of bludgeoned into insensibility by the excess that occurs in our lives. Uh, There's hardly any time when a person is not being overstimulated in one way or another. And so our ability to experience feeling becomes really deadened, and it takes more and more to make us feel. Consequently, people look for, I think, more horrific experiences to occur to them in a way to experience profound feeling. It sounds perverse. It does. But it's it's, a, it's like finding a bigger roller coaster. If it's, you that's right. Yeah. If you uh, have nothing in your life, for example, and you desire something to occur, it's it's easy to develop a fear of something intense happening to you 
and yet it's so seductive. It's it's so desirable. What a uh, a charge a person must get when they uh, fear that they will be attacked, and then they will have the opportunity to turn turn around and kill the attacker. I think this also relates to a lot of the type, a lot of the um, action movies. While it's true that these terrible things certainly do occur, as you pointed out, they don't occur the way that, uh, in in the proportion that people are afraid of them occurring. But this is a time when we have so little control over so much of our lives that the idea of a fairy tale where someone will be able to be strong enough to vanquish the evil troll, or gremlin or whatever is a very energizing story i love steven seagal movies because they're like cartoons you know it's clear who the bad guys are and who the good guys are and he kills every last and one of them and he kills every last one of them and uh, uh you know it's uh, uh, the 1812 overture uh, playing in the background it's terrific life is not so clear the opportunities that we have to vanquish the evildoer are very few. To go back to O.J. Simpson here again and come full circle with this, do, 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 in your opinion, did he view his wife, Nicole, as the evildoer in his life? Was she, she the one who was, who was messing up his life? Oh, I, 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 I think that he probably did. I think he probably had very <coughs> oppositional uh, views of her. On one hand, was obsessed with her, loved her into passionate obsession. On the other hand, hated her because <clears throat> she didn't do what he wanted her to do. Uh-huh. Okay, let me get this call. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi. Yes? Okay, sorry, I had to turn down the radio. Um, it, it interested me about Nicole Simpson that, that she had been um, like 18 and a waitress when he met her. 18 and a waitress. That's right. What an ingrate and she was, was. And he was 30. That she wasn't willing and he, to... And it, it, just seemed, it seems to me so interesting that that man who really could have chosen anyone who would have been an equal, you know, basically found somebody who... She was probably more than an equal at 18 for yeah. him. Well, okay, okay. But, well, so that's... It, it but, just... but in terms of roles of society, I mean, he, he found somebody that who's, who could only look up to him, you know? And when finally she didn't anymore... I think he became violent. You I know? agree. I mean, it was it was a relationship he could always control until he could no longer control it. Exactly. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's well. also there's one other thing about her, and isn't she every? Um, She's got exactly the same stereotype. Jaw he does. Pardon me. He's got exact. She's had the, exactly the same jaw he does. It's uh, kind of narcissistic. But. Uh-huh. Well, is she's she's also the uh, f- uh, fantasy female. Blonde, beautiful, prom queen. Prom queen. I mean, a very beautiful, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. So to find such a submissive, uh, beautiful young woman who was willing to be molded by him, to be uh, uh, to uh, cater to him. Yeah, there's a very Pygmalion aspect of it. Yes, know? but it's very perverse. Thanks for calling. Sure. Um, <clears throat> hello, welcome to the air. Hi. Yes. Hi, was Naomi talking, when she's talking about the the uh, morbid curiosity, getting sucked into the vortex of this whole story, was she talking about Nicole Brown or the, the media, the media uh, listenership and readership? The, the, the media 
the way that they've promoted it and also... You were saying that Nicole Brown was some kind of masochist who not why she didn't press charges or... No, I think she was a typical battered woman. Okay, define typical battered woman for us. Just tell us what, a, what battered woman syndrome is, if there's battered, such a thing. Battered women are, are frequently incapable of sticking to their guns, you should pardon the expression, when they get, say, a restraining order uh, uh, against their abusive partner. Um, they uh, become very weak. They say, well, he really... Uh, does love me. He just can't control himself at times. He's does, really does a good guy. Just trying to avoid public attention, though, being no, who she was. I don't. I don't even think that that entered is, uh, has entered into it. Or if it did, it's it's really in a minor way. Battered women typically feel that their partner loves them, and that they love their partner, and they don't don't want to hurt them. Um, and they will not press charges time after time after time. There's another thing that complicates the issue in that he's the father of, of her children as well. I mean, there's a, there's a thing there where, you know, visitation rights go on, where they live in the same community, they see each other constantly. I'm talking specifically in the O.J. Simpson case now, you know, and it, it seems to me that there, there had to be some thought in her mind, some kind of feeling or fear that she had that would say to a person with a, maybe a more developed sense of themselves that I should get away from this situation. Maybe the best thing to do is not to be in constant contact with this person because it's, it's, it's as if that that's what was going on, that, that well, he was coming over constantly, he was seeing her constantly, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. running into her constantly mm-hmm. and taking the children out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just in terms of a tactic, don't you think it would have been some, somewhat more cautious of her to say I have to move away or I should yeah. find another place to live? Or? Oh, sure. In in hindsight, we can say that. But when a person has children with someone, it becomes a very fuzzy issue. It's not so easy to say, uh, I live in California. My divorce has occurred in the state of California. I'm going to move to New York now or I'm going to move to Timbuktu. Uh, and with his financial resources, he could fly there in a day and and continue to harass her that's true <coughs> so um you know once you're joined to someone with children it becomes a very fuzzy issue let me give the number out again here it's 201-678-7743 for once we're doing the topical thing here not for once second time maybe in the last year and we're talking about oj simpson and uh, many things surrounding this particular Sorted chapter, which is the only thing you could call this. Um, uh, sorted chapter in American history, um, including how do you think this is going to impact on the people who were fans of O.J. Simpson's, the people who worshipped him as a football-playing god? What are they saying <laughs> now? How, how are they reevaluating their, uh, you know, the whole take on this guy? I I think that there are many people who worshipped him, but. Who are the heroes in America today? Uh, basketball players, people, <laughs> by and large. People don't have... I, I think that it's a whole phony thing that people expect athletes to be so pristine pure. Uh, there are no true heroes in the United States today. I think that's part of the disillusionment that people experience. I mean, the, our, our, our president and and the people who uh, were running for, for president are, are uh, shown to be philanderers. Um, <laughs> y- y- you know, it, it's, 
who are the heroes? This is one of the most pathetic things in our history that we have no genuine heroes. So when somebody gets caught um, being a drug addict, being an alcoholic, uh, strawberry, you know, going off to detox here Mm -hmm. and there, I, I don't think people are so surprised anymore. Okay. What what would it take what what qualities are you are you saying that a hero must possess i mean let let's just let go over this for a minute and who was the last hero that you can think of or the person who you know was able to play that role without too much difficulty a person who who you didn't have to worry about what kind of dirty laundry he has and well i i uh, two two men come to my mind right away one is paul newman and the other is alan alda now, Alan Alda as a hero. Wow, mm-hmm. really? I think these are two very decent men who have never, despite their prominence in um, uh, in the media, despite their uh, their power really in the world, I don't believe I have ever heard anything negative about the way that these men behave. As far as I know, they're not er alcoholics, they're not drug addicts, um, they don't philander. They behave themselves in a very decent way. I'll have to agree with you on Paul Newman. Alan Alden, I never, I don't know, he never... Impressed me that okay. much. Okay, well, I, so, so then so, let's just stick to so Paul Newman. Paul Newman, I would <laughs> I would be willing to elect as a hero for this program. I think okay. he's done some amazing he, things. He gives to charity. I mean, he's a very decent person. Hello, welcome to the air. Yeah, hi. Let me yeah, turn my radio down. Please do. Do you eat his products? That's the question. I, I would like to say, um, <clears throat> first of all, I'm kind of shocked, a little shocked, and mainly dismayed at your choice of heroes, because first of all, they're simply actors and they never actually have done anything. Uh, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute now. In wait, some minor ways they have. Wait, I'm surprised wait, you didn't wait. think of Malcolm X. I mean, it seems to me that, that the heroes being chosen are merely nice and not simply good. In, in this society and in this time, I think Paul Newman can certainly be described as a hero. Okay. I think I think that what he does... In terms of his charity work, in terms of his contribution, uh, is is pretty heroic. All right. You well, think I'm, about not a, it. I'm not aware of his contributions. Is that I'm simply aware of him as a movie star. Well, okay. Well, he you, goes you, far beyond that. I mean, you've seen all the Newman's own products uh, on supermarket shelves, and all the money from those products is, goes to charity. I mean, mm-hmm. he he started this whole thing to raise money for different charities. So, then I know. suppose I stand corrected. Well, yeah, he's no Malcolm X. I'll, I'll, I would, say, I like, I'll say that I much. Like, okay. But I think Malcolm X is an interesting case because he started off as a criminal and a drug addict and yeah. uh, rose above that. Right. I, I think that that's Nowadays they start the other way. They start at the other end and go, go towards being drug addicts and criminals. What is, what is his predilection for clay feet? I'd like to hear what this lady has to say. Well, uh, I, I forget who said it, but uh, uh, someone said uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that uh, people who are, um, again, incapable of controlling their impulses, who think that because they have a thought in their head, they have to take action on it, who feel that they must be gratified every time they have a desire, um, these people become very corrupt. You know what else I think? I think it has to do with, um, 
I think the lack of uh, upstanding politicians such as Harry Truman, who didn't really care what opinion polls thought. Yeah, Harry Harry, Harry and, Truman uh, was a hero. Yeah, uh, I think uh, an interesting parallel with Harry Truman and Clinton was the uh, gays in the military issue and the integration issue. Harry Truman handled it so well; he simply said, "They will integrate." And he let the firestorm pass, whereas Clinton hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed and mm-hmm. worried about his popularity. Mm-hmm. And may I ask one more question? Sure. Um, um, I had some static between your station and another, unfortunately. I think it was on FMU you were discussing the the issue of overstimulation and people needing uh, a more intense experience. Experience. Um, I would like to just say that, yes, um, I had a friendship with a, uh, a young lady who could not hold a conversation on the phone or in person if she was near a radio or a television without having it on. It was it was intense. She was 19, and uh, it was just really intense. I couldn't believe anybody could actually live like that, but some people, ordinary people like you and I, do. Indeed. You know? Okay. And, uh, is there is there some, some way around that, some way of dealing with people uh, in that fashion? Or? Only go out with women who don't have electricity. <sighs> How's that? <laughs> or will it, you know, battery-powered radios. Or, there we go. I'll, okay. go to, I'll go to Indonesia. Well, I think, you know, you're talking about... The, I, I, there are people who do need constant stimulation, I, you know, and maybe that's not the kind of person for you. Uh, is that too simplistic? Oh, it's not... Sim- you know, no, that's not too simplistic at all. I would simply say, what about the, what about the broader problem? How can people in general deal with that in their in their daily lives or do they simply steer clear of everyone who's overstimulated that's pretty hard to do these days how do you turn people on to critical thinking uh. how do you give them <laughs> mind-breaking koans of of log- logical puzzlement so that they will pause and think i say hit them in the head with books okay there we go okay book Thanks. feeders <laughs> have a good goodbye i don't know that's a great question that's that, an that, excellent that fella question it's an and as usual, I was question. flippant. Boy, I hate myself when I do that. Boy, I am. Well, well, I think about psychotherapy as being an opportunity for a person to develop uh, uh, the ability to contemplate. Uh, you, uh, being in psychotherapy? Or, yes. Or partaking of it? Or, yes. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, hello. Welcome to the air. Yeah. Hi. Um, I'm calling in response to your assertion that Harry Truman was a hero. And uh, I think... I, di- I did not assert that, sir. I uh, think... Your, a, your guest did. Okay. Uh, I think uh, anyone who uh, killed uh, 300,000 people with uh, two atomic bombs isn't a hero in my book. Uh, your your point is very well taken. Okay, thank thanks. Thanks for calling. If, if I may say, speak for you, Chris. <laughs> well, uh, sure, go right ahead. I, I, I couldn't think of what to say to that. But, I was just but going the in. thing that Harry Truman did is he took re- responsibility personally for what he did. He said it was on his, his desk. The buck stops here. That's something you don't see anymore. No, people a, don't want to say. I would have had so much respect for for O.J. Simpson. I mean, murderer or not, if he had done this, let's get a, again say allegedly, if he had come forward and said, "I killed my wife," you know, it was uh, I I lost control of myself. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. I would have said, "Well, here's somebody finally who's owning up to what they did," That's which right. just does not happen anymore. That's right. People you know? go around and they they say, "It's not my fault. I'm not responsible." Uh, and and his his letter ended with the sentence of, "Why is this happening to, to me? me?" I mean, That's so, <laughs> such a typical plea in 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 contemporary life. 
the sense of, of persecution. I'm not responsible. And the question you should have been asking is, why am I doing this to somebody else instead of why is this happening to me? That's right. Okay, we have a call here. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, and I guess it comes back to... Um, Did you just call about Harry Truman? I'm just going to make uh, a short uh, statement and then leave. About um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, No, right? no, uh, okay. yeah, about the... Um, about the perpetrator becoming the victim. I uh-huh. mean, there we go. You guys just said it. So I just wanted to raise that small little issue. And well, thank you. My way. Thank you. Okay. Man should have a show here. Hello. Welcome to the air. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to put in a kind of cautious note that uh, as you're waxing about Harry Truman, he also said that Hiroshima was one of the greatest days in American history. That's a pity. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just uh, a little more. All right. Next week we'll trash he, 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 Harry Truman. How's that? Sorry. Next week I will trash Harry Truman. No, Whole hour. Trash him, but just you know, as you know, I mean, those those things are on the periphery, and people start to think, "Wow, yeah, Harry Truman said that. Wow, he took responsibility." Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's just just as a, a word of caution. Okay. Well, we're getting back to Paul right. Newman now. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. How would you possibly go about defending a man whose decision was to drop two atomic bombs? What do you say to that? Gee, he didn't know how bad they were. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say? I mean. You know, I, uh, there's no way I'm taking that on. There's no way I'm going to be an apologist for Harry Truman and his decision to drop two bombs. Not one, two, you know. I'm sorry. That's just, uh, it's out of my reach. The number here is 201-678-7743. Uh, I'm surprised that, that we, you know, uh, there are a lot more male listeners to this program than, f- than female listeners, but I'm surprised we haven't heard from any because I really wanted to hear what they would have to say about the uh, the idea of being... Uh, harassed, being abused, being battered, being stalked, and, um, you know, get a different take on it. Because, uh, hello, welcome to the air. Hi. Hi. Hi, yeah, I wanted to say something about heroes, too. I've, I never could understand why people thought of sports figures as heroes. And when you're talking about heroes, that people who you think might be heroes, like Paul Newman and Harry Truman. Right. I think that, I don't really think that national figures like that can be heroes. I think you have to look more toward, like, a person in your community, someone who you actually have physical contact with, someone who can affect your life in a personal way, in a more, like, daily way. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. That is. Well, yeah. And actually, <laughs> I mean, it's something that I wasn't able to really articulate that well, but there's an editorial of the paper today along those same lines. Yeah, it's, that's a, 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 a very nice thing to say. Uh, and to that end, I think that teachers can be heroes for people. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, we hope. You know who my look? hero is this week? I don't, I don't mean to interrupt right you. Ahead. I'm sorry. The, there's a ma- there's this guy named Nick down at uh, a, an auto repair facility. I, a wheel fell off my car this week <laughs> as I was driving. <laughs> on, mo- on, Monday, on Monday, a wheel fell off. Okay. Now... Uh, the, the, the thing is, I had had a, some work done at this place a couple of weeks earlier, and I called him up, and calmly I said, look, a wheel fell off my car, and it was not a very good experience, and I'm wondering what to do now. And he took complete control of the situation. He just said, look, get the car down here. I'll investigate it. I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it for you. A person and who was taking responsibility. Right. And I said, you in a moment of I, I said, here is a guy who, even though this may, or, this may or may not have been his fault, I mean, who's to say, really? I think it may have been, but there's a chance it wasn't. He said, okay, well, I'm going to take care of this, and I'm going to fix this to your satisfaction. And I was, that was, I should say, my hero for the week. As well, close as I've come well, in quite a while. Let's, let's just think for a moment about the concept of hero. A person who extends themselves. 
to the betterment of others? That's right. That's as good a definition as I've heard, yeah, sure. uh Uh-huh. And I think that that's the problem now with so many, like, you know, I live in a, um, in near Bed-Stuy, like, you know, on the edge of Bed-Stuy, and some, you see, it's very sad. I mean, just the things that you witness daily of, uh, of the way children are treated. Yes. Things that I see just routinely, you know, going to the supermarket, riding on a bus, you know, with women who are, you know, and I'm not blaming single mothers. Well, let's let's just take a, 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 a woman who just came to my mind who extended herself to the betterment of others, Rosa Parks. That's right. Okay. That's right. What yeah. an incredibly courageous act. That's right. She could have been killed. She could have been killed. I mean, it's it's very hard to imagine people now who would be willing to risk themselves like that. People now think, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved I because I might involved. be killed. Right, I might be hurt. That's I mean, like you think about um, Kitty Genovese. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that it's shocking that something like this could happen, that people could just All not right. not even wanting to make a telephone call. Thanks, thanks, thanks okay. for calling, by the way. On that note, uh, this, we, we started in a, in a different place and we branched out all over the place, which happens a lot of times on the show. I'm not going to even worry about it. That's quite all right, but... Someone made a very interesting point. I mean, the idea of holding up sports figures as heroes because of their performance on the field. Um, is there something, I mean, it, it seems to me there's something inherently dangerous about that because these, after all, are just people. And there are many things that can happen to tarnish their legends later on in life. O.J. Simpson being a perfect example. Steve Garvey was another one. It was mentioned this week in the papers. So... Where are we to look these days, if we're going to look anywhere? I mean, what, who, well, who do we... Well, it depends on what your values are. Um, <laughs> if, if your values are that uh, people should be dedicated to the good works uh, that contribute to other people's lives... Sounds like General Electric right there. See, I should that's be... That's right. Better yeah. things through... Uh, <laughs> better nuclear, li- nuclear living, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the idea of... I think the idea of, of athletes being heroes is, is very, very ancient. They, uh, people who became uh, men as warriors when war was not fought became athletes. So I, I think that that's sort of where the um, veneration of athletes began. But um, this is a country that does not venerate education. Yeah, it venerates money, just it about. It venerates money. And the person, uh, in one of Kurt Vonnegut's books, uh, he writes that um, uh, if you're so smart, how come you ain't rich? Yeah. And <laughs> so whatever a person does, if they're rich, they're venerated. And the, the, the wise but poor person has lost their place in, in our society. In other societies... Many people who are older and considered wise, but not necessarily affluent, have a very respected place in society. If you ain't rich in the U.S., you haven't got it. Well, we have a number of lights flashing up here. Let's see what people are <coughs> saying as we wind down this program. We've got five minutes left. This is WFMU, Upsala College East Orange. And following this program, the second installment of The Soul Show with your host, Gaylord, for this week. Hello, welcome to the air. Yeah, uh, what do you think about, um, like, history rep- repeating itself but with different actors? Is that valid or...? 
in terms of yeah, like, O.J. Simpson. You know, that's happened through you know sure. time, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, absolutely. In, in 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 psychoanalytic terms, we call it the repetition compulsion. Yeah. Okay, let's put a psychoanalytic model on the whole O.J. Simpson thing. What what was he? What destiny was he fulfilling? What was he working out there? What was the? He was it gone wild. Aha. Uh -huh. It, right. see, it gone wild. He was it gone wild from the Forbidden Planet. Anybody see that with Walter Right, Pitchin? yes, okay. the thing that was... The thing, the, that's yeah. right, that was it gone wild. And that's what happened to O.J. Simpson. No one Sounds like you're working up a defense for him there. Uh-huh, yeah. well, right. Well. Okay, they're going to hire me in a flash. <laughs> uh, um, it, when a person is not helped to control their id impulses, they become uncontrolled wild people. And uh, it, yet, this occurs most often when people have a diminished sense of self, a weak ego, for example, or their sense of uh, conscience, what is right and wrong, hasn't been deeply ingrained enough. And that's the superego. Well, we may suppose that his superego wasn't very strong, his sense of self was very weak, and his desire to get immediate gratification was very strong because that was the only area in his psychic life that was really, really trained. Go get him. Run fast. That's about it. Mm -hmm. yes. He might have been trained earlier than that, just in his childhood. Well, he had a, he had a terrible childhood, too. I mean, his superego might have, you know, it's, you can demythologize any hero. I, I think uh, it would be an important lesson for people to learn through O.J. that he might have been a real hero once, but he, he might have fallen from grace like anybody can. And he might have had a superego once that is now buried in a, a drug-induced stupor or something. True. That's true. And, uh, but, but that's so he's the bringing thing. So he's bringing up the Greek tragedy angle here. Yeah, but... The, the heroes and the fall from grace. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, uh, he was a hero once, Chris. He really yes, was. I understand. Um, but we must do battle daily against the impulsive nature. We really must. Otherwise, uh, we will eat each other alive. And you expect somebody who uses athletic success as a metaphor for success, you, you think he'd be better equipped to, to keep his it in control, but he's not, and so he's more disappointed than anybody, I well, guess. Well, I think that when a person retires from sports that they should have some sort of uh, psychological uh, counseling afterward that will help them integrate into a, a, a less impulsive, less immediate gratifying world. This is like a decompression chamber, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, when, when astronauts let when astronauts go uh, uh, to the moon and come back, they're debriefed. They spend a lot of time being debriefed. When That's basically, they say, you're back on Earth now, everything's okay, you're not going to float or anything. That's the whole debriefing session. Well, I, I, I don't know, but, but oh, I, I think that there should be, be some, some opportunity for them. Uh, major uh, law firms, for example, when they fire uh, someone who has worked for them for many years and hasn't made partner, they will have a special counselor come in and help these people find a new way. But Naomi, that might refer to any man past his prime, not just an ex-athlete. Okay. Right? All right. But, you know, there's uh, the, the thing about athletes who have made it in these mu multi-million dollar contracts, uh, they or rock stars. 
Right. Uh, you know, anyone, it, there is nothing in the world that is not available to them. And it becomes then a personal struggle every day to say, just because it's available to me doesn't mean I have to eat it, smoke it, snort, snort it, have sex with it, or whatever. And they had a deprived uh, upbringing, maybe. They didn't get what they wanted at all back then. Yeah, but uh, you can't, so then we could call this a reaction formation. That, but that I just wanted to echo that with the other woman was saying that I think the real heroes are anybody who humbly serves the truth at, at the risk of their personal comfort, even at the risk of their job sometimes. Yes. Those are the people who aren't vain enough or ambitious enough to be known about, but there's plenty of heroes that aren't fictional media heroes, you know? Plenty of heroes that you probably know yourself in your neighborhood or whatever. So That's right. Thank you for... Uh, not my neighborhood, but maybe yours. Chris, and you, may, you may be a hero, Chris. I don't know. I may be a hoagie, for that matter. Well, I, I, I think that in our day, it in a, in a certain way has become unfortunate, but the psychotherapist has become the purveyor of the moral life. Uh, parents frequently either don't know or are incapable of, of creating in their children a sense of a moral, right life, that a person does the right thing for its own sake and not because of uh, some uh, reward some reward that's right that's uh, right mm. and you, you you raise yet another interesting topic and we're running out of time here how can people get in touch with you <laughs> people can get in touch with me by dialing 212 leaving their name and phone number and I'll get back to them as soon as I can yeah, and just don't mention Harry Truman if you call. No, okay? let's not That's bother a with Harry point. Truman. Yes, it, mm -hmm. it is. So I wanted to ask, you know, when you might be able to come back and we'll talk to do the pop psychology show that we preempted for the, this program, uh, this topical one. Fine, I'll be delighted to in a few weeks or so. Okay, we'll sure. We'll set up a time. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. All right, you've been listening to Aerial View on WFMU of Solid College East Orange. My guest has been Naomi Sarna. Once again, if you would like to speak with Naomi, uh, 212-1 is the number to call. And I'm sure she'd be glad to hear from you. Following next is the, the second installment of The Soul Show with your host, Gaylord. And uh, we'll be back again next week. And thanks for listening. with another man.